All right, Peter Schallert, let's dive in with a, with a big question here. So why, we'll, we'll get to who you are in a moment, but why do people have such a hard time following through on their big plans, especially why do entrepreneurs have such a hard time following through on their huge vision and dream? Isolation, in one word. We are living in a, a sort of an age of massive rapid change and isolation is the major social pathology of our time. And all of our problems with focus, effectiveness with productivity, those are actually all downstream consequences of the psychological environment, the combination of our psychology and our environment that, that we're operating in. And, um, you know, for entrepreneurs, it's never been a better time to be an entrepreneur. The opportunity is bigger than it ever has been before. The barriers to entry are lower. But increasingly, building a business or starting something looks like, you know, grabbing a laptop, working in a basement in your PJs in a state where there's not a soul on earth who knows if you screwed around yesterday or absolutely crushed it. And that's the psychological consequences of that have everything to do with focus and productivity. These are the proven direct response, marketing, copywriting, and entrepreneurship success strategies you can use today to write your own ticket and create the life you want. I am Roy Furr, and this is Breakthrough Marketing Secrets. Now, here's today's breakthrough. That hits hard, and I look forward to diving deeper into that because that's super relevant for my audience. Uh, but first, I want to introduce you. So... Number one, welcome to Breakthrough Marketing Secrets. I'm Roy Furr. Thanks for joining us for this special interview episode with Peter Shallard. Peter is known as the Shrink for Entrepreneurs. Uh, he serves as a behind-the-scenes confidant and advisor to some of the world's top startup founders, counseling them on the intersection of psychology and business. Uh, if you've been a follower of me for any length of time, you know why I like that's so exciting to me. Clients across his roster have collectively raised hundreds of millions of venture capital and created market capitalization of billions. Peter is also the founder and CEO of Commit Action, which is how I found him, a revolutionary service that helps business owners double their focus and productivity with a dedicated pro-accountability coach. Commit Action helps you eliminate overwhelm, destroy self-sabotage, lock in laser focus, and get more done in a few days than most do in a month. By the way, we will be talking about Commit Action throughout this episode. Check the link in the description if you want to learn more. Uh, it is something where I get credit for the referral, um, just, just as a heads up for you. But I, I only refer things that I love, and I am falling in love with Commit Action. Uh, Peter, man, uh, so... The one thing, you know, I, I had a little short list of, of things that I wanted to like tell you about before we, we got on. The one thing that I missed was that my audience is primarily copywriter entrepreneurs. So you know enough about marketing that you know what I'm talking about there. A I, lot of I, us are I think of myself as a copywriter entrepreneur. It was actually my skill set. I go narrow and deep into just a couple of places. Psychology is a big one. And really like copywriting is the other because I built my not my first business, but my second business, I built primarily through long form content. That's how I built the Shrink for Entrepreneurs brand, um, ultimately. Yeah. And Commit Action oh. was a pivot out of that. Yeah. So anyway, sorry, I didn't want to cut you off, but I just, I wanted to let your people know that I am one of you. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. And and actually I found you, like I had, I knew that I knew about you beforehand, but it was like a, it was like a, a four hour process of becoming a, uh, annual commit action member from seeing a YouTube video, going to the website, feeling like, ah, should I make this decision? And then 
becoming a, a year-long member of Commit Action Coaching, and that is advertising, right? So, yeah, I believe you when you say you're a copywriter entrepreneur. Uh, so this this isolation thing, I talk about copywriter entrepreneurs, for a lot of us, it is like even uh, even if we're not building a business, we're we're a lot of us are freelancers. We're working out of our house. COVID has like you know, quadruple accelerated that because we are a, a a job a function that can be done remote. So many of us are, are remote, even if we were in house before. Man, that isolation thing hits hard, and so you're connecting that to like the reason that I feel terrible and I just find some infinite dopamine dump for the day where I can just keep scrolling Facebook or whatever. Uh, and instead of getting things done, isolation is a huge part of that. Um, I don't know. Can can you just speak to that more and reflect on that? Yeah, um, you're totally right. I mean, the, the crazy part is I've been the guy who's been banging this drum for the last five years and then or more. And then uh, and then COVID happens, you know, and, <laughs> and, and the entire world went you know, into a state of isolation. And we all started feeling the effects of that in a way like entrepreneurs are early adopters, right? Um, like yeah. we're, the one, we're the first in line with the latest device, you know, the cutting edge, whatever it might be. But we were also early adopters of isolation <laughs> and its consequences. Um, but now the rest of the world is kind of catching up. The, you know, the thing the thing that I'm getting at here, and, and my background's in psychology, I'm a, I'm a huge fan of evidence-based psychology. So I, I really like the, you know, psychology as a field, a very narrow sliver of the total pie, like a very narrow piece of it is strongly empirical and evidence-based, but the findings, you know, it's growing every year and the findings in that field are really starting to show us some really interesting things about the way humans are built. And one of the lenses that we look at understanding human behavior, human flourishing and, 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 and performance through is that of sort of evolutionary psychology, because there's a lot that our history can tell us about how we're built, why we're adapted to certain ways of being. And, you know, what the science tells us is that humans are social primates right? We know this. We're hardwired to be at our best, to be the best versions of ourselves when we're in groups, when we're surrounded by others, when we feel connected and supported. Um, and if you think about the history of the human species, it, it makes a ton of sense because for the entire history, we've always been like the reason that we developed an advantage, the reason that we're the, we're the dominant species on this planet is not because we're bigger or faster or more dangerous or aggressive than any other species. In fact, we're not. It was our capacity for teamwork, right? Like for, for yeah. that was what got us to be able, a, a little band of human beings to be able to take down, I'd say teamwork and IQ, right? We were smart. We made a spear but we were also collaborative enough to get five other guys with spears or 25 other guys and go and take down a woolly mammoth that gave us enough of a caloric surplus to have a bunch of babies um, and, and have time basically figuring out music and art and math and more tool making and things like that. And, and that's really the, that collaboration, that being surrounded by community and being connected is really a history you know, that's really what you've got to understand if you want to figure out what's going on when it comes to the productivity, uh, the psychology of productivity. So, you know, humans like the, this, this weird world that entrepreneurs and I think, frankly, a lot of knowledge economy workers in general, like I'm talking creatives, I'm talking executives, you know, artists. Yeah. 
uh, find themselves in now is, you know, we spend a huge amount of time battling with ourselves, having this internal war, which can feel like we've got, you know, mental sock puppets that we're creating, where we're telling ourselves like, hey, this, if I do this thing and really focus this afternoon, I get to have fun and have a snack and watch Netflix. And like, there's this little voice in your head rewarding. There's this other one that's like, no, you're not good enough. You did nothing yesterday. You should work all day today. Like all of this behavior is brand new because again, in our history for the longest time, this type of self-sabotage just couldn't really exist. Um, you know, if you think about primordial man, like we were, you know, we were fighting the elements, we were fighting nature, which was pretty hostile 24 seven, there was no room for procrastination, right? There was no, no one was like messing around with their morning ritual and wasting time scrolling the feed in the cave. They were like, I'm hungry. My family's hungry. Winter is coming. Let's go. And, you know, we, we figured out farming, the agrarian re revolution, and but the same thing, very seasonal life, backbreaking labor, short lifespans, we were working hard, we were barely surviving. The industrial revolution came along and it brought our work to us, you know, on a conveyor belt. We moved into cities, but again, we were cogs in, in machines, right? Like human beings were doing this manual labor. And, the, you know, you think of the industrial revolution, you think of like, the textile mills of Northern England, um, you know, some of the, yeah. some of the stuff that happened in the, you know, steel and whatnot in the United States, but everything changed really in our lifetime. And this is the thing that I'm obsessed with that I find is fascinating because, you know, so many people who struggle with self-sabotage and lack of productivity beat themselves up so much. And there's a whole uh, right here. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Yeah. There's a, there's a multi-billion dollar industry that is exploiting that tendency, which is telling you you're broken, you need, you need fixing. And that industry is hitting, it's multi-channel. It's hitting you with pills literally for ADHD, for, you know, for, for all sorts of psychoactive medication to get people more straight and narrow. Um, it's hitting you with an entire industry of books about how you can focus and get things done. It's hitting you with coffee and Pomodoro timers in the shape of tomatoes and journals and software and like all of this different stuff that's designed to solve this problem. But as far as I can tell, only existed in the last cut, like generation or two. So if you think about, you know, your grandfather, your grandmother, though that generation of entrepreneurs, they wanted to build something. It would have looked like a shop right? There would have been yeah. people running around, maybe someone taking orders over telephone, but they're writing that down on paper. They're handing that paper to some other person who's running with it to the back of the shop and getting the stuff. There's yeah. a, and now it's funny, there's like this, this frantic activity of humans coming together. And now it's like, it's that MacBook in that cafe where no one knows your name and no one makes eye contact with you and you're surrounded by people, but you're all scrolling and you're all shut, shut off and you're, none of you are connected. And yeah. so in a generation, the way we work has changed. And, and the big message that I like, I love coming on podcasts and talking to people and sharing is like, if you think that you've got a productivity problem, if you think you're broken, I'm here to tell you it's not your fault. It's the environment that's changed. You know, humans, are, we're just fine, but we're not built for this shit. We're just not, we're not, we're not built for it. We need to make yeah. some changes to our environment. So, so ironically, like in the knowledge work economy and especially for like an advertising creative, like I feel most productive when I'm by myself at my keyboard, like cranking out advertising copy, right? I feel most, like, I feel like that that is, that's my work product, right? 
And yet, ironically, what you're saying is, is like this isolation, which we're more connected than ever, but more isolated than ever. This isolation is, 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 uh, that those moments of isolation where I feel productive are also in a way like destroying my productivity or they're setting me up for, to feel terrible about myself. Well, what, I, what, I, what I would say is that, you know, there's certainly work that you can do and much of the great work that can be done, you know, in copywriting or really any creative field is often done in a state of singular focus. It's not necessarily, yes. I'm not necessarily saying teamwork's the answer at all. It's not, it's not collaboration, it's connection, right? Like if you think about like take copywriting, for example, if you think about the greats, the David Ogilvy's, the Eugene Schwartz's of the world, I told you, I know my copywriting. Um, you know, these guys, they, they ran agencies, they had offices, they jammed with other people, but then they would close the door, they would get the brief, they would go, the client needs what? And they would close the door and they would sit down and focus. But that environment is different, right? Because there's another human being on the other side of the door, right? There's a different, there's a different kind of a vibe. There's a huge amount of accountability in play when you're a when you're an old school madman style direct response copywriter swilling whiskey at eleven o'clock in the morning <laughs> writing copy. So it's not that the work that we the work we we do like you know right back to like Michelangelo you know when he was chipping away at his marble like right like that type of work is rewards patient dedicated quiet focus. But as human beings, what's really critical for our flourishing, for our effectiveness is actually being connected and supported, is having relationships with other monkeys just like us that have expectations for us. Because this is the thing, this is, I, I'll stop talking about evolutionary psych and our history, but this is my final point about it. When, you know, when we were sort of coming up in the evolutionary landscape, we started selecting for the humans that bred really well, in other words, to be blunt, yeah. the ones that survived, we're selecting for the, the capacity for connecting well with others. And that involves playing status games. That involves becoming sensitive to, what do the other monkeys think about me? Will they leave enough fruit on the tree for me if, they, if I'm not around, for me and my children so that we can survive? I better build a reputation with those monkeys. I better make them think I'm important and, and, and worthy of looking after. In other words, all of the social games we play, and this occupies most of our thinking, right? You go to a party, you walk home from it, you think, was that joke, did that joke quite land? Did they really appreciate that? Or did I kind of offend someone? All of that is the most natural thing in the world because we are hardwired to play this social primate game. And what I would argue is that prior generations of entrepreneurship harnessed those monkey mind kind of hard wiring tendencies we have to drive our motivation and our focus. And the, the transformation that the microprocessor has brought into our world, where now building a business looks like sitting in a basement on a laptop in PJs more often than not, that's taken away just as a side effect, just as a consequence, it's taken away a lot of the social structure that actually coincidentally makes humans really thrive. That when we feel a part of something and that there's other social primates like us kind of watching out for us, when in other words, we have accountability, that's, that is when we really start to get laser focus. And what I would say specifically bringing it back to your example is that when you have great accountability, structure and support, 
you're going to show up and do those deep work sessions where you do your best writing in isolation, but you're going to do that more often, right? It's going to yeah. be easier to get into that state, more reliable, more repeatable. Um, and that's yeah. what it's all about. Because you, you, you know that somebody is thinking of you or if not thinking of you in the moment is, is ready for you to check in, is expecting something from you. And so you have this accountability is the word, right? right. Uh, so I, I don't know if this all just kind of feeds perfectly into the, the next question that you kind of threw me as a softball question that I could ask you. Um, but why is it that some entrepreneurs then become so much more successful than others? Like we're, we're in this, we're in this knowledge economy. We're in this place where isolation is so easy and natural, even though it is unnatural for us historically. Um, and some people thrive there. Some people don't. Why? And what's the difference between, you know, uh, uh, the two young men that, you know, one succeeded and one didn't. Mm, yeah. It's a really good question. Yeah, I think that um, I think I think that there's quite a lot there's there's quite a lot to it. There's a lot there's a lot to sort of unpack here. So so let's let's start and dive in. Um, you know, accountability connected with, the, with connectedness with others, like all of that, is a really big key. One of the things I one of the things that we did at Commit Action because this is a question. I love answering. It's a question that I've spent years, you know, fundamentally trying to find the answer to because my my first business was a brick and mortar psychotherapy practice and I I sort of pivoted it to almost organically and accidentally to working exclusively with entrepreneurs and ended up building this brand as the shrink for entrepreneurs. Um, you know, this was 12, 13 years ago. Um, at this point. So I've been doing this for a really long time. And I've gotten to work with some of these like luminary, like just some of the fastest moving, amazing, executing kind of bright idea having people in the world and sort of seen that edge that, you know, because there are people out there who are hitting home run after home run and it is easier for them and they do do it more often. Um, and and so so part of the the reason I'm sort of teeing this up is that part of the, this is part of the origin story of Commit Action in general. The, the idea for the company that became Commit Action really came about because I started researching, uh, looking into this and trying to figure out, you know, what is it that what is it psychologically that seems to separate these entrepreneurs? Because one of the first things I went and did was I, I wanted to prove that I had this hunch and I wanted to prove that I was right, that that a lot of the things people say make the difference are not actually the case. Cause there's some popular narratives, right? Like it's the, it's, it's people's education and their access to those types of resources. But the funny thing is that the internet has, you know, really made ease of access to information has been completely revolutionized. And I really don't believe that, you know, the Harvard MBA, MBA gives you an edge anymore. In fact, the entrepreneurs, the founders who are building are more likely to be dropouts, right? Like they're, they're more often not these people now. Um, likewise, I don't think it's, you know, it's geography or, 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 or anything like that. I don't think it's the particularly pernicious myth that the personal development industry sells everyone, um, which a lot of these gurus out there are selling people, which is that you've got to really want it. You've got to be passionate enough. There's this really insidious, kind of like agenda that these guys have, which is like, 
there's something wrong with you and you don't have the appropriate level of desire to ultimately be successful. And it's just not true because there's a lot of founders, um, you know, the founder of Shopify is a good example, who just noodled away with something that felt like a good idea and it grew and they took the next step and it grew, but they didn't sit down one day and say, you know what, I want to build a multi-billion dollar publicly traded company. They just did the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. And one day turned around and looked back and were like, holy shit, we built a multi-billion dollar publicly traded company, right? Like yeah. these, these things kind of happen. And so what we, you know, what we did at Commit Action is we actually started doing research. We, we built a scientific advisory board with some researchers in neuroscience from Harvard Medical School, um, positive psychology from NYU. And we started speaking to, at this point, it's been like a few thousand entrepreneurs. And we've conducted tens, and tens of thousands of, of calls with them. We've gathered all this data on how they think and what they're working on and how it's going. And we identified that there's just a handful of psychological kind of edges, um, psychological ingredients, I guess, that, that people develop, that, that some entrepreneurs seem to have and that, they, that give them this impossible edge. I'm going to tell you what they are. Um, <laughs> that's, that's what, we're, what so I want to get into. But I just wanted to pre, you know, pre-frame that that's, that's really what it is, that there's these, these psychological tendencies, these traits that some entrepreneurs seem to develop very early, but they're very learnable. They can be learned by anyone. They give people this incredible edge to perform. So um, actually, I, I don't think I've mentioned this to you yet, but I have an undergrad degree in psychology. My wife is a counseling psychologist. Uh, and, and so, uh, th through whatever gene environment interaction <laughs> happen in, in these entrepreneurs, some people just seem to have this from whatever young age, right? So it could be, they might have genes that are more predisposed to whatever it takes. Um, or they might've grown up in a household where these were seen as valuable traits, Right? And yeah, and, and it could be it could be a combination, right? Like the cutting yeah. edge of genetics research tells us that actually the house that you like nurture now affects nature through through epigenetics. And I don't pretend to be an expert, but I do know yeah. that you know that the the environment that somebody grows up in can actually have be really influential in how their genes express themselves. So I I yeah. just always say the jury's out, nature or nurture, you know <laughs> which it is. But but there's definitely edges people can give, and I think this conversation is also fascinating for any parent right who's like who's thinking yes how do i give my kids you know the, the, these types of edges and and so then what you're also saying though is that it, it, you might recognize that some people get these early but they can be picked up in adulthood because we are you know we're lifelong learners and if we have a growth mindset we can learn things and and we can grow and our biology can also change with our what we learn and what we practice um, as far as my understanding. So I, I do want to get into these traits though. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the first, you're totally right. And, and they are, these are all things that we should all, I think all of us want to work on and focus on developing more of because they are such unlocks. And I think it's in a way like you, you there's a bit of an arms race, like as our environment technology the exponential growth of technology is creating all of these changes that we don't fully understand, can't fully even appreciate. Uh, in the way that we live and work. And so one of the ways that I think you can ensure yourself against that is by really investing time and energy in developing your user's manual for your brain, figuring out how to be the best version of yourself so that you're resilient to 
you know, like I saw the Zuckerberg and his meta announcement and the idea that in his dark vision of the future, we're all going to be plugged into VR and just consuming Facebook and Instagram ads all day through every orifice imaginable, right? Like, yeah. let's say something like that actually happens. I can tell you that the people who, who win in that environment, the people who are able to create value rather than just consume those are the people who are going to, they're going to be the people who've got this mental game dialed in, right? Who have figured out how to, how to tweak their psychology in these ways. So, yeah. So, so one of the, the big ones that I wanted to share with, with you and your audience is what uh, at, at Commit Action, it's what we call, it's what our researchers call ideal implementation granularity, which is a really fancy way of saying a very unsexy term, which is just specificity. Um, and so, you know, the big, the big kind of assertion here is that difficult goals, anything that you're striving towards, when they're broken down with clear specificity, just consistently, overwhelmingly in the research literature lead to higher performance. They always outperform, are unconsciously more motivating and build mastery faster if you can dial in the right level of granularity with the way that you think about and build your and, and, and set your goals and kind of make your plans. And I don't mean like necessarily just goal setting and like a sitting down once a year with like a journal to think about what do I really want to be when I grow up? I, I mean like the day-to-day, week-to-week, what am I working on? What am I trying to get done by Friday afternoon? Like, what's the plan? Most, can I, most, yeah, go ahead. Can I reflect on this from like, I mean, I had a coaching call a couple hours ago with Victoria on your team. And, uh, and, and so like what this means for me as a commit action client is, is we started off and Victoria said, okay, where do you want to be in a year? What are, what are three things that need to happen in a month? And I'm simplifying the conversation, but what are three things that if they happen in the next month would, would help make progress towards that year long goal. And then on a week by week basis, like she asked me to go in there and say, okay, what are the actions that need to happen to move closer to that one month goal? And then she makes sure that I clarify that. And she says, okay, how long is that going to take to get done? Um, because we're going to put this on your calendar that you're going to do this specific time during this specific, or you're going to do this specific task during this specific time period. And you're going to do it knowing that it's going to help you towards that one month goal and that one year goal. And I know that I'm in the earliest stages of implementation with commit action. And that's already the stuff that that is happening that like for the next week, I have specific tasks planned out on specific days of the week at specific times that I think are fairly accurate time representations that I know that if I'm following these things, it's going to get me to that one month goal and the one year goal. And that's ideal implementation granularity. Like I know, and then I can check it off and I can report. Yeah. I got done with the thing that I said I was going to do during the time I said I was going to do it. Well, and here's my question for you. Like on the days where you've got that plan, that level of granularity broken down, how do you feel when you wake up and sit down to start work? It's, uh, it's easy and it's doubly easy because I know that I'm going to have to check in with Victoria and say, yeah, I did it or no, I didn't do it yeah. uh, because, because I have that connection. That. I have that. Um, right. It's, it is no longer having those goals in isolation and like not really being accountable from day to day. Um, I, I it, there's, it's just really easy to sit down and be productive. And I find that whether or not I block out the rest of my day, and more and more I'm having to, but um, whether or not the rest of my day is blocked out, 
I am still more productive for the rest of the day after I did that time block first thing usually is, is how we, yeah. Cause you're kind of getting into a flow state, right? Like you're, yes. that, yeah, 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 totally. I mean, and that's the, that's, I mean, that's the big thing about implementation granularity or about specificity is that it, um, it, it really leads to these, it really leads to these kind of flow states. And, um, the biggest thing is crystal clarity on how to get started. Like the problem that a lot of people have with doing complex creative work is that they 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 have these goals that are like these Everests, these mountains to climb, and they're overwhelming because they're so mammoth. In fact, like it, you know, and and again, like and I love talking trash about the personal development industry, but there's a very specific part of it, <laughs> the secret that has like set this in put this in people's minds which is like set the big audacious goal like don't worry about the execution just say i want to be a billionaire i want the ferrari in the driveway like i want like the company that's 10 times bigger than the one today the problem with that is that psychologically you don't know how to get started you're you're just this this person looking at this giant mountain thinking where do i even begin with this and so like this sounds very unsexy but the i trust me the research behind this is really um, is really significant. You need both. You need to know that you are climbing a mountain. In fact, there's a study by a guy called Kintaro Fujita at NYU that really shows that appropriately contextualizing specific goals with that big long-term rationale, the balancing act between the two, like significantly, significantly results in an increase in performance, which is, again, it's a part of dialing in that implementation granularity. But you got to know where to get started. You've got to have those proximal goals of like, if you want to climb a big mountain, it's like, what's base camp? Where are you, where are you equipping yourself from? What's the first stop? Where are you camping? Where are you going, right? Like you're breaking it down. And so that's a big part of, as you, you described, it's a big part of what we do. I mean, most of us aren't aren't mountain climbers, but most of us have been on a road trip. So, for example, a couple of years back, we went to Yellowstone with the family, and it's not just we want to be at Yellowstone, right? Yeah, it's, you're gonna you're you're gonna make camping like you're gonna book the camping reservations and all of that, but you're also gonna say, okay, what route are we gonna take to get there? So the first day we're gonna go from here to here, and this seems like a good place to stop. So let's book a hotel, and then it's a matter of like when it actually comes time to work or to, to take the trip, then it's like, where, where do our turn by turn directions say to go? Right. Right. And, and we, we drive down this road for a while and then we get here and we need to turn and we go here and, 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 pe- and that's- people are, people are more, uh, people, most people have better specificity, better psychological best practices around this topic for planning a vacation than they do for planning how they're going to work, how, to, how they're going to build their business, which is their bread and butter they're going to pay for their life with, right? Like it's <laughs> kind of crazy. And so it is a it, it is a very, like the thing about evidence-based psychology is it's very unsexy. You always find at the heart of it, these really simple concepts. We've talked about two today, right? Like specificity and accountability. They You're like, I get it, but they are just so powerful. The closer you look, the more you go down the rabbit hole, it's like, wow, this is really missing from the way most people think about their goals and their plans and their future. Um, and, uh, you know, you tapped into another really important one. Um, you, you know, the accountability, like, well, I want to talk about how accountability ties in with the specificity because they, they mesh together in a really amazing way. Here's the thing. When you're trying to climb a mountain or plan a road trip, it's better when you do it together. 
right? Like yeah. again, humans are social primates. We outsource our mental well-being and our mental optimization to others. We're hardwired to do that, right? And so having someone that you talk to about your plans who can go, you know, I don't think that's a good place for base camp. What about here? Are you sure you've said that that's a good base camp, but in my experience, you don't make it that far in one day. So let's reel it back to here. That game, a big part of what we do at Come in Action with our clients every week is actually coach them on how to be ambitious, but realistic, which is this balancing act by predicting their future performance based on an analysis of their past performance, right? Which is like, yeah. you're probably going to do about as much work as you did last week. And if you really crush it, you might do 20% more. And if you do that every week for five weeks in a row, you're going to have doubled your productivity. Um, it's, it's right. 20% gains um, times yeah. five, but, but that that's why specificity and accountability mesh really well together. And you brought up another one that you, Victoria is one of my favorite coaches on the team. They're all my favorite, but Victoria is amazing. <laughs> she, um, you know, you brought up another thing that she's doing, which is the, we call it the power of sort of deadlines. And that I love that word because every single entrepreneur listening to this, just like, had like a panic attack and just collapsed in on themselves. They were like, wait, what? This was going so well. Don't say it, Peter. <laughs> Deadlines. Um, you know, most people start businesses because they want to get away from stuff like that, right? Like they hate yeah. the idea of having to have a report on their boss's desk by, a, by the end of the day or whatever, like living with that over their weekend, the sense of like it has to be done. But one of the things that our research showed us when we started looking at these ultra high performers and what they do differently is that that really high functioning entrepreneurs do not set goals or make plans that do not have dated intentionality or what cognitive science researchers call implementation intentions, which is basically, so an implementation intention is your intention for how you will implement the idea. So when you will do it, where you will do it, how you will do it, and sometimes even some if-then logic of like, and if I am unable to do it because the, for example, the baby is not asleep, it's on my mind, I have a six-week-old, right? Then yeah. I will do it at this other time, in this other place. Implementation intentions you could simply call it, uh, you know, adding a deadline saying this week, I want to do X, Y, Z, but I'm going to do it in the time that I carve out and hold sacred for that on Wednesday afternoon, when I have a three hour block where I'm going to put on my focus YouTube playlist, I'm going to get in the zone, I'm going to jam and smash this new sales letter or whatever it might be out. What the research yeah. tells us, there was a there was a study in the British Journal of uh, of Health Psychology that found that um, that found that adding uh, adding a deadline, adding implementation intentions with a precise time, more than doubled the likelihood of a goal being accomplished. Just that one change in people's behavior for any goal, controlling for any other variable, right across yeah. like demographic groups, the whole thing. So uh, what an example from my work with Victoria has been, uh, this was last week, uh, there was a, just a piece of writing that I needed to do. And I said, you know, on a good day, I bet I could get this done in an hour. But really, I think I probably need six because, <laughs> because uh, you know, uh, because I, I always underestimate the amount of time writing is going to take, especially important writing. And she said, okay, well, 
how about we meet in the middle? How about we do four hours? And specifically, we decided to break it up over two days, two hours here, two hours here. And the first day I spent two hours and I got a whole bunch done. And then the next day I thought, eh, I'll probably get it done in an hour. But then it was like two hours and five minutes. And this was like relaxed flow state productivity, right? It wasn't like two hours of sprint. It wasn't two hours of intensity. It wasn't two hours of being lazy and doing five minutes at the end uh, each day. And really what happened with this implementation intention of like, I'm going to do this at this time. And here's the time block that I have for it is when we set that four hour time block, that's what happened. And I do think that it was unrealistic to expect one hour. Like that's one of the things that I'm working with on Victoria is that what's the realistic expectation for, for a good performance, you know, for, uh, for doing this well and not rushing it but also not giving myself too much time to fill. And so I'm going to go do something else. I'm going to scroll Facebook until I've passed the length of the Statue of Liberty, which is what <laughs> uh, we've learned is about how long everybody scrolls every day. No way. Uh, yeah. Real? Yes. Uh, it's, it's basically the height of the Statue of Liberty is the average user's scroll distance on Facebook. I was on the today newsfeed. years old when I learned this horrifying fact. <laughs> Yeah, I think I got it from Nir Eyal, which who I understand has has been. Uh, oh yeah, Nir is a pal. Yeah, he's a good friend. Yeah. We had him. We had him. Of one of the things we do at Commit Action, in addition to our you know our accountability coaching service, is that we you know for all of our members, we do once a once a month we do a kind of a webinar deep dive into. Usually it's like entrepreneurial psychology, but sometimes we bring in guests, and Nir was one of those. To you know his book, Indistractables, obviously. Yeah, it's fantastic for for yes, and I love he he's also a scientist, you know, like he's so focused on what the research can actually tell us, and it's really really good stuff. Yeah, that's okay. I I had not heard that one though, and I I've read his book, but I I don't remember uh, I don't remember that. That's really that gives you the shivers, doesn't it? It's like yeah, it's a lot of reading. Oh man. <laughs> Yeah, maybe maybe that wasn't his, but uh, yeah. Um, so I want to. There's one specific. There's one specific thing that I know that I've dealt with that I think is really relevant to my current work with Commit Action that I want to talk about before I get into. Um, just, I mean, this this hour is flying by. Uh, before I get into like what Commit Action actually is, what that relationship looks like. Uh, I went through, at Victoria's recommendation, I went through your webinar, speaking of that, on splitting. Mm -hmm. And you told a story, oh, yeah. you told a story of the seven out of 10 day. And I, I think that going all the way back to that, like as knowledge workers, we often feel like, oh, we're terrible people if we get lost on Facebook or we're awesome because we did, uh, you know, we had a great productive day. And we're always beating ourselves up about it. Like we're, we, we're so rough on ourselves so much. Um, so would you mind speaking to splitting and maybe the seven out of 10 day story yeah. here? The story, I'll start with the story. Yeah. Yeah. The, the story is, but I think about this all the time. I have a very good friend who's an amazingly talented entrepreneur and he's built a, you know, a massive, like hundreds of millions of dollars of revenue business. And one day I phoned him up. Um, we're buddies. We were living. He, we were both living in New York City at the time, and um, and I we were hanging out all the time. And I phoned him up, 
I was, it was like a, it was like a lazy afternoon vibe of a phone call. You know, it was like sunny. It was Friday. Imagine that I phoned him up and I'm like, how's it going? And you know, just being a weird guy, instead of saying, fine, fine, fine. He said, he was like, you know, it's going, he's like, I'd say I'm at like a seven out of 10. And I was like, yeah. Like, what do you say to that? You know? And, and he was yeah. like, yeah. Well, and, and pause because the automatic assumption is that's not a good thing. Right, right, right. And then he said something, and this is the part that sticks with me that I think about all the time. He was like, yeah, seven out of 10. You know, if I have a few more days like this, we're really going to build something. <laughs> that was it. And, and so the reason that that stuck with me is because of this concept called splitting, um, which, is a, which is a psychological, a little piece of psychology jargon that, that basically is the, the name for a tendency that humans have to engage in black and white thinking, particularly when it comes to our own behavior. So splitting is black or white thinking. It's all or nothing. It's that splitting is what you, uh, what you do when you tell yourself, when you go to bed on Sunday night, you wake up and you tell yourself tomorrow is going to be the day I turn over a new leaf. I've got my plan for my morning ritual. I'm going to wake up. I'm going to meditate. I'm going to work out. I'm going to write a gratitude journal. I'm going to drink a green smoothie. I'm going to do like two hours worth of this bullshit. I'm going to sit down. I'm going to deep work. I'm going to focus. I'm going to listen to Tchaikovsky while I do that. Four hours uninterrupted, right? And you make it halfway through your morning ritual before you find yourself, instead of meditating, scrolling the Statue of Liberty on Facebook. (laughs) And, And in that moment, you say to yourself, oh, screw it. And you order uh, egg McMuffin from McDonald's, and your whole day just gets derailed, and you're watching Rick and Morty on on uh, Hulu <laughs> by 11 a.m. Right? That's uh, yes. Does anybody feel seen right now? <laughs> yeah. um, if that splitting is if for entrepreneurs, splitting black or white thinking is this tendency we have to hold ourselves because no one has higher expectations for themselves than an entrepreneur. Right. And that's a strength. It's a strength, but it's a very double edged sword because it backfires for us when we do the splitting thing. When we say my goal this week is to make 100 cold calls or to write 2000 words of new content every single day. We do it on Monday. We do it on Tuesday. But on Wednesday, we only do 500 words and we go to bed that night and go, shit, I didn't do it. And then on Thursday, we do nothing. Right. Splitting is that thing that goes, well, I messed up. I'm not going to hit 100% of my goal. So therefore, I might as well hit 0% of it. And it's absurd. It's a form of self-sabotage people engage in all the time. And it's totally absurd. And the reason you can you can make yourself realize it's absurd because people people do this all the time with like that copywriting example, right? 2,000 words a day, you'll do it for three days, then you miss one, you, you just shut the experiment down, beat yourself up, tell yourself you're not going to start again until next Monday or whatever. The, what's insane about it is, can you imagine, let's blow it out of proportion. Can you imagine setting the goal of making $100 million and beating yourself up because you only make $70 million? Right. Like it doesn't yeah, make yeah. any sense. Like that's still yeah. like $70 million is still a hell of a lot better than no millions of dollars. It's like a great place to be. And yet, yeah. and, and it's the same thing with copywriting 10,000 words, 7,000 words is very good. In fact, yeah. 1,000 words is better than zero. Right. But yes, for some reason, we engage in splitting. And it just really stuck with me that one of the most successful entrepreneurs I know, when I asked him how his day was going, said, you know, it's a solid seven out of 10, but if I have a few more like this, I'm really going to build something. 
Um, yes. And he did. He was and he did. And it, and it sort of speaks to this ethos that we try to embody at Commit Action because, you know, we're, we're supporting all of these entrepreneurs, trying to get them dialed in and focused. And a lot of people will intuitively be like, oh, you guys are drill sergeants. I get it. You're like, do more, maggot. Like, you know, focus, get stuff done. But actually, no. What we want for our clients is to have really solid seven out of 10 days. And we want to push them to turn that seven out of 10 into a seven and a half out of 10. Yeah. And we want to really build something because long term (laughs) that's going to happen, but you've got to make it sustainable. Right. And I think a lot of, I think the high expectations that a lot of entrepreneurs place on themselves result in these short term flurries of activity followed like where we ride this roller coaster we get all hopped up on our ambition we crush it for 24 hours then we plummet into the pit of like i can't do this i'm not good enough and all of this internal dialogue that's a consequence and a side effect of missing our target and so at commit action we kind of like to sandbag a little bit like we like to say like the goal is sustainable ongoing performance it's not like a short burst that leaves you burnt yeah. out and it's not something that you can split all over yourself with speed <laughs> yeah I did, I did the math at one point and i said okay so what if, what if i aim for a 10 out of 10 day and or let's say i aim for 11 out of 10 day and i hit it that first day but then i'm kind of exhausted the next day and so i get one out of 10 and then i do like a maybe i get a two day and a three day and a two day because i'm just wiped and like feeling terrible for the one day, et cetera. So we got 11, one plus, I guess, four, eight more. Uh, I, I doing the, doing the math. We got 18 right there. Okay. Right. But Jeff, if I have three, seven out of 10 days, I'm already ahead for the week versus trying to hit 11 one day and then like being wiped out the rest of the week. And, and there is something to that of like, geez, if I can just get seven out of 10 and then some days I'm going to get eight or nine, some days I'm going to get five and it's going to be okay. And it's about just this consistent pattern through time, which uh, like, I want to do kind of a rapid fire into talking about commit action and where people can go learn more. One of the things that I came, I was definitely splitting, like coming into commit action is why I felt like I was ready. I was talking to somebody else earlier today and saying like, I was ready for commit action. And that's why commit action is working so well, so fast for me. Um, Because like I had experimented with time blocking and stuff, but always what would happen was this, the splitting phenomenon where I'd like time block the whole week and like every day was full and it was just enough time maybe to get everything done. And then I would fall off at the end of the first day or maybe not even by noon the first day. And I would completely crash. Um, and, and that's one of the emphasis emphases that I've gotten from Victoria is like, we're going to time block the important tasks. You're probably going to fill in the other stuff around it. Right. We're not going to spend a bunch of time every day in time block. Maybe we can work up to that. Right. That's that, that's that gradual building. Um, but the other thing that she was talking about today is block time to over deliver that that's something, an important thing that, that you've worked on that if I block an extra 30 minutes at the end, that could be flexibility to over-deliver on that task. It right. could be flexibility to over-deliver on catching up with my emails like and having time to do that. Just whatever I need that over-deliver time for um, and having that built into my schedule, then it's way less likely that I'm going to fall off immediately afterwards because I had time block followed by time block followed by time block and was driving myself crazy. 
Yeah, and that's a big part of our philosophy is we play the long game and and that requires resilience, right? Like it's it it needs like flexibility. When I ever whenever I see, you know, there was actually an ad, I can't remember the brand, but I wouldn't say it if if I could remember it, which was a major company running this ad for this course about productivity and planning. And 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 the way that the ad goes is the guy shows his iPad, he's like, This is my calendar, check it out. And it's like all you know what I'm talking about. It's got all these color-coded like the whole thing is wall-to-wall like a rainbow kaleidoscope of colors whenever i see a calendar like that i'm like there goes a rigid fragile mofo right because it just takes one thing to jump into that calendar and flick one of those appointments the wrong way and you've broken the whole week and if you're engaged in splitting you can spiral into the psychological rabbit hole of like it's Monday, it's 11 a.m. on Monday and I'm already off track, right? Like as though, yes. like, I don't understand why entrepreneurs have decided they want to live their lives like they're the president of the United States in like three minute increments where someone schedules the, a meeting for the time it takes you to walk from your office to the to the dining room. And that's like an interaction that you have. And, and, and the philosophy we have at Commit Action is much more about the, and this is that this is like a really critical idea. And I'd say if there's one takeaway from this webinar that you really keep, I mean, from this webinar, from this interview that you really keep, it's this. It's that you want to apply these best practices, specificity, accountability, you know, implementation, intention of deadlines to the high leverage work, to the yes. stuff that really matters. To, because there's usually only one or two or maybe three things we do every week that really move the ball forward. I'm talking about working on your business, not in it. I'm talking about that require not not just hard work, not just smart work, but courageous work, the emotional labor. Sometimes it's actually very easy to do. It's just sending an email. It's just asking for the deal. It's just, it's that type of stuff. But it's the type of work that, that you can always procrastinate. You never have to do it. But when you make time for it, it puts you on this path of exponential growth and change. That's what we call high leverage work at Commit Action. And I think the mistake people make is they think their whole life needs to be ultra organized. And what we want to do is put all of our energy for for focus and effectiveness into just the high leverage and let the chips fall where they may with the other stuff. Let me tell you this, Elon Musk is not scheduling email processing deep dives. He takes care of the high leverage stuff and moves on to the next thing. Yeah. Huh. So this is, a, it's actually a perfect setup for the, the one set of words that immediately struck me that, that I wanted to make sure we covered before the end of this, which is minimum viable coaching. At one point, I heard you say that you designed commit action around this idea of minimum viable coaching. And really like what that is, is in these short 20 minutes a week, uh, we have already established the long-term and we've established the milestones that are going to get us towards that long term. And then it's it's like, what are the like to reach these milestones? What are the things that we have to make sure that we fit in your schedule throughout the week? And let's put them in your schedule and let's estimate how much time it's going to take. And there's going to be a little bit of a little bit of back and forth, a little bit of, oh, I I'm terrible at estimating how long it takes for me to write an email if the email is this where that reflection adds to what we can do the next week and the next week and the next week. But it really is about doing more by focusing on less. And I appreciate that, I guess. Um, that wasn't really a question, but you can reflect on it if you want before we tell people 
Uh, yeah, where no, let go. me jam. I love it. I love that you picked that up because it is a it is actually a big part of my passion for the company. I'm very I'm very interested in coaching and therapy as a trained therapist. I love this world. And I part of the idea for Commit Action, once we did all this research, we saw this opportunity for personal training for productivity, which is what it is. A commit action coach is a personal trainer for productivity. It's having someone on your team whose sole job is keeping you focused and in the zone and executing that high leverage work. But the way that we do it isn't by spending hours planning out your week and planning and color coding every single appointment and every single to do. We have this philosophy of minimum viable coaching. And basically what that philosophy is based on is medicine. It's the, the fact that some of the most effective treatments usually follow the minimum viable dose point of view. You wanna add just enough because if you overdo it, you burn out on it. You, you have unintended consequences and side effects. There's all this, you know, and frankly, like you don't want to spend tons of time. It's actually another form of self-sabotage. It's very common for people to waste time by engaging in what I call productivity theater. Productivity theater is when you carve out an entire Monday to just whiteboard and you get post-it notes and you put them everywhere and you get all, and sometimes, sometimes the stuff can be valuable, but if you're doing that stuff over and over and over, you're actually using productivity theater as a distraction from actually just executing, from doing the work. And so with Commit Action, we wanted to build this really elegant ritual. So we had this idea that basically every human being, whether you're an entrepreneur or not, should have a weekly planning ritual. You should have a little meeting that you take with yourself where you sit down once a week and you think carefully about the next seven days and what you want to do with your time, right? I think everyone can yeah. get on board and think that's a good idea. And you should also review the last seven days and think, how did it go? What can I learn from it? And what can I apply with a better knowledge of how I rolled out on my intentions to the next week? So commit action is personal training for productivity where we built what we believe and what our clients believe is the best weekly productivity ritual ever, which is very small. It's very fast. We keep it really lightweight. It's only 20 minutes. But in that time, we calibrate an entrepreneur's uh, capacity for execution based on their past performance. We find an appropriate level of, of ambition and, and realism to balance them with. And we dial in these pillar, these pillar concepts of specificity, you know, deadlines, a couple other ones that we didn't even talk about today. And we wrap it all in accountability because here's the thing, the best weekly productivity ritual is the one that you do with another human being because we're social primates and we're hardwired to be the best version of ourselves when we're connected. So commit action is doing a weekly accountability ritual with a dedicated pro whose whole job is to show up and facilitate that for you each and every week, week in, week out. And uh, yeah, that's a service. And uh, I'm super stoked to be talking to a bona fide client of it on a, pod on a podcast interview because it really works, right? Like, I mean, yeah, it's, I'm super proud of what we built. And I, and I think that, like I said, isolation is a major crisis. It's affecting yeah. way more people than we realize. And, and the first thing that goes is your ability to focus, your ability to really dial in and turn your big ideas and your big ambitions into concrete results. Absolutely. Um, I, as I told Victoria, and this will make more sense to you than necessarily the listeners of, <laughs> of, of this interview, um, but 
I do recognize that at this point, I am in, I am in the first stage of uninformed optimism in my journey with commit action. And so um, the hard work is just beginning, but I also know what that journey looks like, stage two, stage three, stage four, stage five. And, um, and what I will say is uh, prior to signing up with commit action, I was in a place where I was noticing a lot of splitting, a lot of like the stuff that just needed to get done, the working in my business that needed to get done was getting done consistently. And there was some progress on the working on my business, on the additional things that needed to happen. But really, I saw myself wasting hours per day of just like waste, right? And I was feeling terrible about it, but I also knew that I didn't necessarily need to feel terrible about it that I just needed to do something different. And then I happened upon a YouTube video, a YouTube ad, I think maybe even on my own channel <laughs> for commit action. And, and I was like, yeah, these guys are familiar. I've seen it before. This is what I needed. And so I signed up and uh, since signing up, really I'm like, this was my second official weekly meeting today, a couple hours no before kidding. this. Yeah. Oh, but I didn't my, know that. I didn't know you were so new. Welcome. Welcome. Yeah. Thank you. My, my, like, I, I'm noticing just a huge swell in my capacity. And even to the point where I was saying to Victoria today, like, I have to be careful because I am noticing that I'm getting so full that like burnout is a potential. Like, I'm not there. But the other thing that's happening is in the context of this, in the connection of this, in the, you know, it's not in isolation. So I have somebody to say that to and like come up with a strategy and adjust based on. And she's, so, she's highly trained your commit action coach, and she's going to be your watchdog, your guardian angel for that burnout moment too. Because believe it me, when I say it, we're playing the long game, like the entrepreneurial, I, I love to talk about effectiveness because I think a productivity is just like, you can be productive and just answer email all day and get nothing done, but do it very yeah. quickly. But being effective is actually about being balanced. Being effective is getting the important stuff done and being able to do that over time. Um, that requires real thought. It requires intentionality and it requires balance. And, and so that's a part of our process too. Now, as such a new customer, you're not going to be feeling that. We're going to get you going and get you moving right out of the gate. But once you're up there, we're going to start to talk to you about some very specific strategies for making sure that you too are playing the long game, that you're dialing in your six, you know, your focus so that it lasts. And that's going to, you know, it's funny for a lot of our clients, that's actually the part we have to drag them kicking and screaming because they're like, <laughs> They're like so into it. They're like, yeah, give me more. And we're like, whoa, 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 whoa. Like, let's yeah. let's make this sustainable. And it feels like we're the bad guys, but in the <laughs> end, we convince them. <laughs> awesome. So uh, for those who want to learn more about commit action coaching and maybe try out the minimum viable coaching, it's it's available monthly. I was also encouraged to, hey, if you're committing, and this was based on some conversation about me being in a position where a year made sense. Uh, he said, if you're committing, commit, right? And I said, you know what? You're right. Like that's 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 what I needed to hear, but not necessarily what I wanted to hear. Um, so I'll, I'll include a link in the description to that. The one thing that I will say about commit action coaching is there's lots of different kinds of business coaching, right? This is this is for those of us, and and I think most of us are actually in this place. Like you know what you need to do, 
right? But but you see yourself not doing it day after day after day. So it's not some coach who's going to help you figure out how to start a business, right? Like this is, oh, I know what I need to do. I have goals, but it's just not happening. Um, and I notice myself just dropping the ball. Um, that, that's, this part is, of our, that's part of our philosophy is that we actually believe that most people do not need another source of information and that the coaches out there, the business coaches out there who sell this, who aren't coaches, but actually just regurgitate tactics to people's faces are actually just contributing to the overwhelm. So are the courses, the endless books, the webinars, the like info products, like all of that stuff. Our philosophy is one of radical self-reliance. We believe that the vast, vast majority, if not all entrepreneurs know deep down in their bones exactly what they need to be doing. And they just need the structure and the accountability and the psychological environment to start executing those things. And here's the, here's the amazing part. If you don't know what you need to be doing as an entrepreneur, I bet you know where you need to go to find out what to do. And that's a form of execution too. And so the little secret that we have is that execution is everything. Action is everything. And, yes. and if you start moving, you learn more and you learn from real world experience not books, although I love a good book, and certainly not courses and, and all of that kind of stuff. So we we bring this philosophy of trusting your gut, taking action, and learning from the real-world action-based experience, which means that, yeah, our coaches aren't going to give you like the 17 steps you need to launch your e-commerce business or whatever, but you don't need that. What you need is execution. So. So yeah, that's uh, that's Commit Action. If you want to check it out, I want to highly encourage everyone to actually go to, if you're just listening to this on a podcast, go to Roy's website and click the link because as a Commit Action member, he's actually got a special link that lets him invite people in and give you access to the only discount to Commit Action service that actually exists. The only way to get a slightly cheaper membership for the first month um, is to follow is to be invited by one of our members and Roy's shared his invite link. There's something in it for him. He gets uh, half a free month of membership for every single person who signs up, but you will too, when you join and become a member and you can do this yourself. So if you want to check yeah. us out, you can go to commitaction.com, but follow Roy's link and get that discount. Uh, when you join, it's, 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 uh, up to 150 off your membership, um, just because you're a pal of Roy's. So yeah, come take a look. It's yeah. been, this has been really fun. Yeah. So the link link is in the description. Uh, I strongly encourage, you know, everybody who check to check it out, who, who resonates and heck, I don't even, I don't care about the, like I care, but don't care about the credit that I get towards membership because when I believe in something, I talk about it and, uh, it's great that you came on Peter. Thank you so much. Uh, I appreciate it. And I appreciate what you built with Commit Action uh, because I'm seeing benefit from it so quickly. Welcome aboard. I got to say, this is the best first month of a new member's membership I think I've ever had. So it's really great to meet you. And I'm, I'm so excited that you're working with us um, and with Victoria. And it's going to be, I, you know, we should check back in at the end of this year because my bit is you're not going to recognize yourself. The execution, <laughs> that- incremental, sustainable, minimum viable execution. It's a hell of a drug, my friend. It's going to change your life. Seven out of 10 days. I think I might build something. (laughs) Yeah. All right. Well, thank you. And thanks to everybody who has joined us for this interview. I'm Roy Furr. This is Breakthrough Marketing Secrets. We have Peter Schaller from Commit Action and check out that link in the description. Thank you, everybody. And I will catch you again in the next episode. 
Thank you once again for tuning in to this daily episode of Breakthrough Marketing Secrets. Remember, check out the links with this episode for even more value. Now make sure you like, comment, share, subscribe, and engage in every way you can to keep this show going and growing and delivering daily value to you. I'll catch you soon for your next big breakthrough.